咿呀呀哟，咿呀咿呀哟。It's a dance party. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! Hello, everybody, and we have a brand new episode of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. I am joined by my wife, Jamie. Hello. So right from the top, I want to throw a huge disclaimer out there that I have been obviously so busy and... And that's probably not obvious. I don't know I said obviously. But, um, I'm in a parking lot at the doctor's office, but I wanted to make sure that I hopped on because this is a really special episode of Hot Marriage Cool Parents. And I didn't want to like miss out on chatting about it with you all. Yeah. So today we have a very important guest who we've had interactions with in the past, but never really got a chance to speak to her. And it's Scout Sobel. Yeah. So typically when I find guests for our podcast, I usually find them honestly through Instagram, like as people that I follow that I love. Last week, you know, we had Lisa on who was amazing. If you haven't had a chance to listen to last week and you have struggles with confidence and setting boundaries and all the things, then definitely go to last week's episode the episode numbers in the show notes. But anyways, Scout Sobel, actually, she has like this agency where sometimes she would email me and she'd say, hey, I have this guest that I think aligns with your podcast. Would you like to have this guest on? And so, you know, I would research the, the guest and see if they would be beneficial. And then sometimes I'm like, wow, that's like an amazing guest. Yeah, I'd love to talk to that person. Yeah. And so typically, I mean, we're just getting to the stage now where we hired our assistant, Diana, to help editing, but no one was ever really helping with guests. I mean, they would help a little bit, but for the most part, I would kind of research it myself and kind of book it myself. But now I've just gotten to the point where we're so busy that we have officially hired someone to manage all things podcasts. And awesome. Diana's going to kind of oversee her, but since now Diana is helping you know, we're talking about a new thing that we might be doing soon. So stay tuned for that because it'll be coming out soon. If we are doing it, we have to, you know, finish talking about it first. So it's not even set in stone. So it may or may not even happen. But um, we're just throwing it out. Yeah, we're just throwing it out in the universe. Yeah, throwing it out into the universe. And then usually, you know, we find a way to make it happen. So that's something. But ultimately, like I said, I'm sitting in the parking lot of the doctor's office and I... It hasn't been a secret at all that, well, we've been busy and I've been in emotional, hormonal wreck and just been struggling, just been hanging out on the struggle bus and haven't figured out how to get off it. And I've been trying to eat healthier, but I, to be very, very truthful and transparent, like I'm just not that consistent because... I don't know if it's laziness or if it's busyness or what the case is, but like, like for example, last night I had terrible insomnia and my stomach was also so hungry and I didn't really, I was trying to have like gluten-free, dairy-free, like I'm trying to be like cut out whatever might cause inflammation in my body kind of thing. You have been, and you have been really I, good at it, you know, and, and you are aware of it and I'm proud of you for that because you are really trying. Well, thank you. But the, the truth is, is that I, I like, was just tossing back and forth, watching you sleep, listening to you snore, wishing <laughs> I could be, I mean, my kids are sleeping, the dog sleeping, my husband sleeping. And I'm like, why can't I go to sleep? So I 
was kind of hungry and I was like, I know, like I went downstairs. I was like, maybe <laughs> if I just like stuff myself, I'll finally fall asleep. Uh, so I turn over this morning uh, as Hendrix is waking up and I turn over and Jamie is eating a piece of pizza in bed. Yeah, I had two slices of leftover pizza with mushrooms and onions on it. That's like my favorite kind. <laughs> and that pizza, by the way, was so good. So that we got like gluten-free crust for myself and that one was gone. So I just had the regular one and it was so freaking delicious. But needless <laughs> to say, I'm at the doctor's office because I also have hypothyroidism. And so a lot of my symptoms, I just thought kind of stopped to think about it. Like a lot of my symptoms could... 1000% be related to my thyroid. So I have hair loss, which is far more than just regular postpartum hair loss. And I have seen great regrowth because I've been taking like Nutrafol, but like, I don't know, like it's, it feels like it's getting thin again and I'm still taking Nutrafol. Although I have to be honest, since I stopped nursing, I haven't been taking my prenatals as regularly you know, as I was. And so maybe that also plays a role. Needless to say, I'm going to the doctor's office to make sure that my thyroid isn't out of whack because usually I can tell when it is and I'm just sluggish, depressed, anxious, like all the symptoms that I have. And this has come up in the past with you getting your thyroid checked out because, and that's where the whole gluten thing I think came from, right? Going gluten-free and that seemed to help, especially going through pregnancy. And and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you are getting it checked out because that could be the reason. Yeah. And honestly, like the thing is, is if you told me for sure that gluten is causing me to feel this way, I would never eat it again. I don't care how much I love the bread. I really wouldn't eat it because I just want to feel better. Like I genuinely do. And so, but like the problem with me is that like, it's just kind of like, well, that could be causing your problems. But I'm like, well, if it's not certain that I'm going to eat it still because it's freaking delicious. So anyways, I'm going to talk to the doctor about that and whatnot. But what I really wanted to do was like hop on here to kind of chat about Scout and this interview that we had with her because this girl is a powerhouse. I mean, she is someone who actually struggles with bipolar disorder. And we a lot of people, you know, you hear a lot about like depression and anxiety, but no one really talks a lot about bipolar. No. And speaking of being bipolar for the last 15 years, and this woman has turned herself around to where she's now a powerhouse and promoter of women entrepreneurs, podcasters. Yeah. I mean, she's she's got a, a book coming out, which we're super excited to uh, talk to her about. I mean, just really taking responsibility over her emotions, which not a lot of people can do and say. And this story of Scout is so important for anybody else that is suffering from bipolar or, or being bipolar or someone in their life that has bipolar disorder. Yeah. So just to add to that, I feel like even if you don't have bipolar disorder, there are many, many, many things you can take away from this interview as far as like mental health and like making sure that you are setting yourself up for success to be genuinely like less stressed, a bit more happier, like all the things. I mean, she just, she's really done an amazing job at figuring herself out. And she'll be the first to say like, I don't think that she figured it out herself. And so I just wanted to kind of share with you listening, like why, I don't know why I think this is a really important episode to listen to, even if you don't have bipolar or even if you don't struggle, because I don't have bipolar disorder per se, but actually my mom does. And I feel like it was just, it just like helped 
opened my eyes. And also there were so many things I could take away myself, even though I don't struggle with bipolar. So yeah, I just I wanted to hop on, say hello to you guys listening. And now I am going to head into the doctor's office, but we pre-recorded with Scout. So you can listen to that. And Doug, you're going to share the five-star review, right? Oh yeah. It's such a good one. I'm, oh my gosh. I feel like we have the absolute best friends, but all right. Bye for now, guys. I will see you next week and you'll hear me in the podcast interview with Scout. All righty. See you later. As Jamie mentioned, we love giving our five-star reviewers a shout out. Uh, so we do it each week. And again, we also are taking in some voice memos. So if you have a question that you want to ask, there is no limit. Nothing is off limits, I should say. But you can either send a voice memo through a direct message, or you can email that voice memo at teamjamie at jamieotis.com. And we'd love to hear from you, but also we want to incorporate them into the podcast episode. So you can email that. We'll play it on the actual podcast and have a discussion about it. So again, you can send us a direct message through the Hot Marriage Cool Parents Instagram channel or uh, email the voice memo to teamjamie at jamieotis.com. We'd love to hear from you. This five-star reviewer shout out comes from iPhone Mommy 25 who writes, where do I begin? Day one since math's here, the podcast gives me life. Jamie and Doug are everyday people and their podcast is so relatable. From miscarriage to sex to potty training to date nights, it's so valuable to me to have a couple that gets it. I would recommend this podcast to anyone that has a marriage and kids or is trying to conceive. They talk about it all. Love this couple and thanks for being my virtual therapy and entertainment. And believe it or not, iPhone Mommy 25, this is a form of our therapy too. So she also says, love you both. Keep on keeping on. So thank you, iPhone Mommy 25. And for anyone that has left a review, we do read them all. So thank you for all of your feedback. But anyway, I think that we should probably bring on Scout in the interview now. So without further ado, let's bring on Scout. We are super excited to welcome to Hot Marriage Cool Parents, Scout Sobel. So Scout is the founder of Scout's Agency and girlfriend is a beast. She's the co-host of the popular OK Sis podcast and the host of Scout Podcast. And she's not even 30 years old. She's already started Scout's Agency with an emphasis in podcast PR for women entrepreneurs, podcasts, and brands. So I met Scout. She had reached out to me about having like booking guests on our podcast. And I was like, well, this is great because it's really easy for me because she'll give you like the whole rundown. And I'm like, um, this one doesn't really align. And then, you know, for example, Gertrude Lyons, where my husband and I had basically a free therapy session. Thanks, Scout. Yeah, we, we felt like we owed her money. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I okay, so what what do you charge by the hour? Yeah. Yeah. Scout is the one who found her for us. And so she sent us a lot of really great guests. And then I had learned a little bit more about her. She has lived with bipolar disorder for the last 15 years. She was once unable to function in society, but after finding entrepreneurship and taking radical responsibility over her emotions, I'm like, girl, help me out. But she is now able to live a life of purpose. Her debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, oh God, I need it, provides the mindset and emotional tools she learned from managing her mental illness that have helped her succeed in business. But the reason I really wanted to have Scout on the podcast is because I feel like like I've been pretty somewhat transparent about you know my own mental illness and my mom's mental illness and for me I have depression and anxiety but my mom has bipolar and I never share that publicly ever because I don't want my mom shamed and I feel like people who suffer from bipolar 
just bipolar in general, it's still so just not talked about. There's still such a stigma associated with it. There is still with mental health in general, mental illness rather in general, but I feel like depression and anxiety is becoming more talked about. So it's a little less like taboo, but bipolar is like, oh, well then you're crazy. And that's just not the case because welcome Scout, the girl who is not even 30 years old and has created a full-blown empire. Longest bio ever, but welcome Scout. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm going to just bottle that situation up and play it in the morning for myself when I need a pep talk. (laughs) Yeah, girl. You really should. Every single word. I mean, every single word, because I told you earlier before that we started recording that I have a sister your age and it's just incredible what you've done. It's really remarkable. You should be so proud of yourself. Thank you. I am very proud of myself. That's something that I always kind of preach to other women entrepreneurs people who are walking down the self-development or mental health journey is that being proud of yourself is my number one tip. Celebrating any and every win possible is the way to move forward for sure. Absolutely. I mean, this is an extreme success story, even just reading into your background and then, you know, where you've come today, how you've sort of channeled your energy into something positive, which I really think will help and inspire a lot of people. Because, I mean, something that stuck out to me in the bio was how you were kind of deemed not fit to really just be in society. And to where you are today, I think, is really, really remarkable. I wanted to go back to kind of when you were 14 and first diagnosed. Did you recognize yourself as different before then? So, I mean, through years of therapy, I've started to put a little bit of a connection to obviously my early childhood. But when I was 14, my first depressive episode hit, but it took me until the age of 20 to be formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder. But when that first depressive episode hit, it was pretty night and day. I went from you know, dressing in cute clothes that my mom bought me because we would always go shopping before the school year to wearing complete monochromatic sweats and not the cute athleisure wear you see today. It was not a good look at all. I started controlling the intake of food every single day. I started self-harming myself and everybody knew I was going down. But when I look back into early, early childhood, I definitely, you know, one of my first early memories is experiencing anxiety at the age of four or five. And I remember it stuck with me for three days straight and I couldn't understand what it was and I didn't talk to anybody about it. I just knew that I was experiencing something so intense and different. And I remember being in in somewhat of awe, somewhat in awe of what I was capable of feeling even that young, even though I didn't have the tools to understand what was happening to me. And I really socially isolated in elementary school. My mom would have to pick me up from camp. I never wanted to go to camp. I never wanted to go to school. I just wanted to be alone in my room. And she would say, okay, well, you, if you don't go to camp today, you have to sit in your room all day. You can't come out. And I said, fuck yeah, let's do it. Like, that sounds great, <laughs> yeah. you know? And yeah. so as a little girl, I was introspective. I would write a lot and read a lot. And I really did socially isolate myself. So I can see where the seed was planted as a little girl. But going through high school like that, I was put into therapy pretty quickly once my parents found out about the self-harm. And I was the only friend, I was the only person I knew in therapy. I uh, come from a very, very tight-knit community. I went to Jewish school my whole life. There was 38 kids in my graduating class. Whoa. And everybody knew, and everyone knew everyone's business, right? Like you hooked yeah. up with someone on a Saturday, everyone <laughs> knew about it. There's only 38 of you. Yeah. <laughs> 
but I remember it not being so taboo necessarily. I was really accepted for the fact that I was going to therapy, but I was definitely the emotional friend. You know, my friends kind of like put jabs at me, like Scout, just go in a corner and write poetry, being friendly. Uh But of course, it was a little bit of a jab. Yeah. But it really wasn't until I left high school, which, you know, I'm grateful for that I wasn't formally diagnosed at that point. I did take a 500 question test that placed me in between chronic and clinical depression, but I wasn't placed on medication. I wasn't given a diagnosis because I think oftentimes people try to understand, is it hormonal? Is it rebellion? Or are we dealing with something else? And I'm grateful that we gave it time to play itself out because I don't know how receptive I would have been at the age of 15, 16 to intense treatment and intense working on myself. But it wasn't until I left for college that I started developing psychosis and paranoia that men were following me home under my bed in my closet and I started to lose touch with reality and it was then that it was very much decided I remember calling my dad crying and him trying to work out in his mind is this my daughter not being able to handle being away from home you know my parents had just gotten divorced is this a reaction to that or is there something bigger going on here and it I had to say there's something bigger going on here. And if I don't get the help, I'm watching my mind slowly lose it and go into different versions of reality. So that's what really started kind of the more hardcore, you know, psychiatrists and and all that stuff. But when I was formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I packed up, flew home, dropped out of college because I'm so grateful for Instagram today where Mental Health Awareness Month is a thing. Hashtag self-care is a thing. Mm -hmm. Mental health is a thing. But 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago now, when I was diagnosed, it was, I'm crazy and I'm Mm -hmm. fucked and my life's Mm -hmm. done. There was nobody that I even knew that publicly came out with depression, let alone Mm -hmm. bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot can change in 10 years. And I'm really grateful that I held on for the ride. And I'm also, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it. It's, It's the biggest blessing and gift. I find myself to be one of the luckiest people alive to have dealt with and continue to deal with my disorder. But yeah, it's been a journey for sure. Okay. So there's so much that I want to say. First of all, I think that you're so strong. And I'm sure you know that, you know, and I'm sure you've been told that, but like, I can't help but say it again because I just can only imagine as a teen. There are so many struggles that teenagers go through, anyways. Especially women. Ah, uh, yeah, especially women. Uh, thanks for saying it, Doug, because that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, well, us- she, yeah, because she even said, I mean, you, I'm just thinking as a parent, the divorce thing, yes, but like when, like all of a sudden, people just go right to, oh, maybe it's hormones, maybe she's getting her period, or maybe it's yeah. that time of the month, and there's a lot of that where it can mask what's really happening underneath, and it's just a, remarkable how you recognize something bigger was going on. And I I know we have such limited time. There's so many things I want to talk about because I wanted to ask you more about how you overcame it. And then also like how, because you said it's your biggest blessing. Now, I'm pretty sure if you as anybody on the street, if someone was struck with bipolar disorder tomorrow, if they would call it a blessing, I highly doubt it. So the fact that someone who has lived it for the majority of her life is calling it her biggest blessing. I mean, I got to dig into this more. Like, what do you mean by that? And I feel like there's a lot to be said for everyone listening because I feel like this is going to be a prime example of how you can take life's challenges. And, you know, it's easy to kind of wallow in self-pity. And I'm sure maybe you had those moments, Scout. I mean, that that that's human nature to like have a little bit of self-pity. Like, crap, I'm going through this hard time and it seems like no one else is. But 
and you're allowed to have those feelings and those feelings are so normal and valid, but like, don't let yourself sit there because I mean, I'm just going to use Scout, which is an example. I mean, the girl is a badass entrepreneur. She's 29 years old. She's built up several different businesses and she has a brand new book coming out and she's been struggling with this for the majority of her life. So that being said, just take this as like a little, I don't know, for me, this is what's happening for me is I'm like, oh, this is giving me inspiration to push through. So Scout, that was a lot of questions loaded into one. <laughs> so let's like start back from, you know, when you were first diagnosed, like were you against taking medication? How did you navigate through that? Yeah. You know, when I was first diagnosed, I was scared. I dropped out of college. I entered an outpatient program. I did take medication. I think when you're diagnosed with something, you know, it's not as scary to me today, but at the time, the scary and biggest bipolar disorder, you take the medication, right? Yeah. And I've had a very long relationship with medication. It actually took me about eight years to even find the right one and went through a lot of physical symptoms that made things worse for me at times. But in the beginning, after that time, it was very hard for me to hold a job. So while my friends were graduating from top universities, I was a gelato scooper, literally. Minimum wage gelato scooper. And then I was a hostess and I quit that. And then I got an internship and I quit that. And I just was not able to hold responsibility over my life. My psychiatrist would write notes all the time for me to bail for me to go home from work early. I would have fits crying all the time. They locked me up in a 5150, which is where they deem you as a threat to yourself and society, which is an absolutely insane experience. I had a security guard walk me to the bathroom. They wouldn't let my parents drive me to the hospital. I had to be strapped to a stretcher and gone into an ambulance. And so the narrative that I was given during that time is that I need to be monitored. And you know the hospital's always an option, right? If the suicidal ideation gets too too much, you know where to go, right? And always checking in. And I was a patient. I was a clinical patient. And so that's really all I lived up to because that's the narrative I was given. And after a few years of not being able to do anything for myself, I started dating my husband, then boyfriend. He comes from the recovery background. He is actually 10 years sober this year. And we had known each other. We dated in high school. And so about two months into our relationship, there's two things that were extreme catalysts for my healing. One is when my husband then boyfriend looked at me and said, I don't care if you're depressed. If you're depressed and hopeful, I can be in this relationship. If you're depressed and hopeless, I can't be here. And it was the first time anyone had given me a boundary over my behavior. I had all the power in the world. I could text every loved one and say, I can't do it anymore. I need you. And boom, people would leave work. Boom. People would bring over food. People would sit with me. People would take over my responsibility. I couldn't handle my emotions, so I outsourced them to the people closest to me. And in doing that, I never took responsibility. And in doing that, depression gave me a lot of power and control over my life in a weird, twisted way. And in many ways, I say I was addicted to my depression because the pain that I was feeling, while it was so unbearable at times, it was comfortable. It was what I knew. It was predictable. I didn't have to show up and go to work. I didn't have to figure out what my purpose was. I didn't have to exit you know, youth and become an adult. I didn't have to do any of that. I could just sit in my room and be depressed and say, I have a mental illness, so the whole world has to cater to me. And that's not a popular opinion to say something like that. 
we look at addicts and alcoholics and we, we give them that exact kind of tough love, but nobody really does that for those who are mentally ill. And it's what my husband did to me and it saved my life because I looked at him and I said, I've dropped out of college. I can't fucking hold a job for the life of me. I'm crying and depressed every day. And I looked at him and I said, I can't lose you too. It was the last thing I was willing to lose. And so in that moment, I decided to start taking responsibility, any responsibility. That doesn't mean that my healing progressed so significantly. I actually went through, I think, one of the biggest healing phases of my life last year in my recovery. So it really has been a continuous 10-year process. But I started reading every self-help book I could get my hands on, which I was embarrassed to walk down the self-help aisle. It was weird. Today, it's probably the most popular aisle possible. But (laughs) I walked there. I started writing down three things every single day that I was grateful for. I started developing a a relationship with a higher power. I started attending support groups. And with all of this, I was still depressed and anxious and had psychosis, etc. But it got me to a point where I sat at a coffee shop with a friend of mine and we were flipping through a magazine and I said, do you want to start a magazine with me? And she said, yeah, let's do it. And we were just going to print it at Kinko's and pass it out to our friends for free. And we were going to use disposable cameras. I was 22 at the time and I was holding down a part-time barista job. And I had just gathered up enough strength for inspiration to spark. And what turned out to be an arts and crafts project in that moment, I went home and something in my brain turned on. A light bulb switched and I was researching for hours the best printer's in town. I had meetings with all of them set up that week. Then I realized I needed $10,000 and I got a Kickstarter campaign going. We passed out the first issue for free. The second, we got a distribution contract for every newsstand in the country. And by issue three, Barnes & Noble contacted me and picked it up and we had Halsey on the cover. What? And all of a sudden, I went from being the girl who couldn't scoop gelato and who couldn't be the waitress to finding something that my brain worked in. So entrepreneurship is high highs and low lows. It was so much responsibility that I was the only one that could show up. No psychiatrist could write a note for me to dip out. I had so much responsibility that it forced me to rise to the table. And it was in that moment, which is why I wrote the book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, that I recognized that my emotional ups and downs and their insanity and all of the things really work perfectly within entrepreneurship. So once I found something that I was good at, yeah, sometimes I use it as a little bit of a crutch for my healing potentially. But between those two things, between my husband saying, you have to show up for yourself, you have to fight, or I won't be here. And then finding something that I wanted to do that pulled me through my day that gave me a bigger purpose. That's really in those two years when my life started to change. And That's not to say in those two years I was perfect. I had many downs where I drove myself to the hospital, suicidal ideation. My husband has been through the fucking ringer. But every everything I do builds upon the strength and foundation. And I'll touch upon why I say that bipolar is my greatest blessing. I will never wake up at the age of 40, 50, or 60 and wonder where my life went. I will never wake up and say, why didn't I follow my dreams? I will never wake up and say, why am I in this relationship? Why do I live here? Why do I do this job? Because when I'm out of alignment for just a second, my bipolar flares up so significantly that if I don't listen to it, I take down myself and everyone around me. 
So it is the most sacred internal compass that I've been given. And I'm talking in a matter of two weeks, it tells me. So in that sense, how could I not think it? I will never wake up and wonder where my life went because it literally will not allow me to do anything other than show up fully. This is the first time that I've ever heard it put that way about the power. And you know, when you think about it, even with addicts, you find a way to bring people around you, but you want to be alone. But you know that you can have people come at your beck and call. And in a sense, that can feel even more comforting, even though it's kind of hurting some of the people around you where they may not understand it. And kudos to your boyfriend and then husband to give you those boundaries. Okay, real quick, I want to give a shout out to two of our sponsors this week. First being Go Henry. Now, if you have kids and if you have money, here's a way to teach kids to be financially secure. And Jamie and I are so excited to use this with Henley and when Hendrix gets older, but you can actually do that with Go Henry. So it's a kid's debit card and an app for parents that helps parents find a fun and easy way to teach kids about good money habits. I was terrible at it as a kid. My parents taught us some kind of information about the value of money, but it never really stuck with me until I started to incur debt and it became a problem. And it's something that I'm still learning about. And I want to correct that mistake and and not have that happen to my kids. So, and I guess, you know, everybody could use a little bit of information and lessons on good money habits. But anyway, you may have heard us talk about this in the past, but with my background and not being that wise or or money conscious and spending way too much and not saving, getting into debt, I definitely don't want this to be in our kids' future and really just try to nip it in the butt early. So we want to give our kids the ability to distinguish between wants and needs and really just know how to save and spend and just give to them appropriately. And it's really, really cool and and easy through the GoHenry app. You can actually see how much money each kid has. You can see how much they're spending. You can control how much they spend. You can control allowances. You can control goals. You can decide which stores that they can actually spend it on. So it's a really, really intuitive app. And the card can be customized too. So Henley's is going to say, go Henley. So it actually has the kid's name, which is really, really fun. And it's just, we're so excited to start using it and also just to help with an allowance so she can start working towards things when she gets uh, of age. And it's just so much easier than cash. And seriously, go Henry has made it so much easier to keep track of how much money Henley will have and just kids in general. And when she wants to go ahead and buy her own toys, we can actually tell her how much that she has to spend or what store she can go spend. So seriously, highly recommend checking out Go Henry. They have excellent reviews online. So definitely check them out. And you can get started at gohenry.com and get one month free with the promo code HMCP. So that's one month free at gohenry.com. Use the promo code H-M-C-P. That's G-O-H-E-N-R-Y.com, promo code H-M-C-P, and you get your one month free. Okay. And this next sponsor is a brand new sponsor, Ready Slim. Now, if anybody is used to doing detox, or maybe you just want to feel lighter, feel less bloated, or just try to get into a healthy lifestyle, which obviously we are, and Jamie and I love all natural and healthy products. And Ready Slim's detox teas are so exciting for us because it's made with all high quality, 100% organic herbs that 
boost your metabolism, helps with digestion, reduces bloating, gas, and just really adds to your healthy lifestyle. And Ready Slim has this 28-day detox tea that has everything you need. And what's really cool is they have a wakey-wakey morning detox tea, which helps boost energy levels. So you really do start off the day right. They have snoozy night detox teas to help you kind of wind down. But again, more importantly, though, their detox teas are made with no fillers, no additives, and there's no laxatives. So it's healthy and it's okay to drink daily. Jamie and I are excited to start the Ready Slim's 28-Day Detox Tea, and you can too. So say hello to a better, brighter you. Right now, for a limited time, you can save 25% off on your very first order of Ready Slim's 28-Day Detox Tea Kit, plus get a free collapsible water bottle. Just go to readyslim.com slash hotmarriage. That's R-E-A-D-Y-S-L-I-M.com slash hotmarriage to get 25% off your first purchase. Ready Slim's 28-Day Detox Tea plus a free collapsible water bottle. ReadySlim.com slash hotmarriage for 25% off your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure, or prevent any diseases. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Thank you. And let's get back to Scout. For anyone listening that may have someone in their family that is going through this, because setting boundaries at the wrong time, I could see being like toxic. You know, it's almost like saying like, uh, you know, you're not depressed, just snap out of it. You know, and that just makes someone just really hate those words and, and everything else. What is the best way to approach that type of situation and set those boundaries in a safe way where you're just trying to get on the same page or yeah, I level? Would, I'll preface by saying that I don't have the formal training in these types of conversations. However, that being said, of course, I think yeah. something to pull from what my husband did is he validated that I was depressed. Right. When you say snap out of it, that's not validating somebody's emotions and their experiences. So what I was going through was very real. The way my brain is chemically organized, it creates anxiety and depression and catatonia and hypomania and psychosis and paranoia and suicidal ideation. So the first thing is really understanding that what's happening in somebody else's brain is real. Every emotion that every single human being experiences is real and deserves to be validated. And so I think that when you can validate somebody and see them, truly just see them, I think that goes a long way and not trying to necessarily fix them, quote unquote, not necessarily trying to, to whip them into shape, etc. However, there are ways that we can empower those who feel helpless to take control over their lives. If my family kept quitting their days and, and you know coming to my aid, 
I would never have been given the opportunity to see if I could rise up myself. He gave me that opportunity. He said, I'm here. I support you. I see that you're depressed. I see you're struggling. I understand. And I'm going to let you stand up on yourself. And if you fumble and if you fall, at least you try to stand up. I will be here as long as you continue to try to stand up. That's amazing. And so I think there's a distinction between, hey, you need to get the fuck up and get your life together. And B, I see you for your experience. I hear you in your experience. Your experience is valid. And I want to support you. And I want to show you how powerful you are. Because maybe you haven't been given the chance. That's so beautiful. Like I feel like, and I'm sure you're well aware of this, but you're very, very, very blessed in the sense that you have family who will stop everything. And as you said, this is a slippery slope because it, just like you said, if they stop everything forever to like cater to you and your emotional needs and whatnot, it's not helping you stand up on your own. However, there are so many people who don't have family that will stop and be there for them. There are so many people who have no one to turn to. You know, they don't have a psychiatrist who will get them the get out of jail free card kind of thing. Or the funds to even see one. Yeah. So, and I'm sure you're well aware of that privilege in a sense that you have. What would you say to somebody who is going through the same things that you're going through who doesn't have a support system? Yes, I am. So blessed that my family, you know, my dad didn't understand what was happening to me in the beginning. He didn't get that it was an illness and a disorder, and he had to read a lot to figure that out. But it was his willingness to do that that has transformed our relationship and my security in this world, knowing that I have his backing no matter what. And I have the resources to get the help that I need. And my biggest healing came from me. I could talk to a therapist all day long, I could take the medication all day long. But if I don't show up, it doesn't work. And I mean that to say if there's someone out there who doesn't have the resources today, that is not a reason to not get started because actually the biggest power in your life starts inside. Yes, having a support group or a support system and a therapist and a psychiatrist was so integral to my healing and I'm so blessed to have it. But if you don't, there are support groups out there that meet for free that will change your life beyond what a one-on-one therapist can do. I believe in the power of support groups. NAMI has free support groups that you can go to every single day if you need until you get yourself to a place where maybe a therapist is financially on the table. There are resources out there. And of course, my wish is for everybody to have a support system within their friends and their family. But if that's not the case, we live in a world where there's so much available to us. There's books, there's podcasts, there's Facebook groups, there's crisis hotlines, there's support groups, and there's yourself. There's yourself. No matter where you go, no matter what help you get, if you don't show up, it won't work anyways. It's very true. Yes. I can't imagine my life today without my support system. And I don't go to them anymore unless I really, really need it because I'm responsible for me. And in that responsibility is where I get stronger. But if you are suffering and you need help because in the beginning, oh, do you need overtime help? I recommend going to NAMI support groups. I also recommend looking up 12-step support groups. There is Depression and Anonymous, which helped me so significantly. Going through the 12 steps, even if you're not an alcoholic or an addict, is one of the most healing things you can do. And there are support groups out there that can help facilitate that. That's my number one tip. And I think that people are scared to go to support groups versus therapy. I think that's even more taboo. But really, my healing fast-tracked when I started entering the rooms and sitting with a group of people who were going through the same thing that I was. 
Absolutely. I feel like that in itself helps validate your feelings that you're not alone and what you're feeling is real and other people are experiencing it too. For everyone listening, I want to let you know that every single one of these different outlets where you can find support, we're going to have in the show notes. So don't worry that you know you don't have that pen and paper and write it down right now. We're going to have it all within the show notes. And You can also DM me. I'll send you a voice note. We can okay. chat. I do that all the time. Okay. So that's what, awesome. that being said, what's, what's your Instagram handle then? <laughs> At Scout Sobel. I mean, I talk to mostly women because my audience is comprised of mostly women, but I really do talk to a lot of people just to help them not feel alone in those moments because I do understand that sometimes resources are limited in many ways, but I also invite everybody to see the abundance of support and information that is out there for free. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh, there's just so much that I want to talk to you about. And you are like such a powerhouse. I, I like envision your future as like a TED talker, you know, like a <laughs> spokesperson. And I just know that you have such a shining career path ahead of you, but not because, you know, of your bipolar, mostly because you speak from the heart and you speak from experience and you also, no one ever holds the person with a mental illness responsible because that seems kind of harsh. But the truth of the matter is, is that no matter what your struggle is, no matter what you're going through, you do need you to help yourself get out of it. Like you can, just like you said, Scout, like you can go to all the therapists, you can have all the support systems, but if you're not showing up to like actively help pull yourself out of the trenches, I mean, sure, like maybe having a hand down helping you, you know, is great. But if you're not helping yourself, then like you're like dead weight and you're not going anywhere. And so this has just been such a, an amazing interview. You're probably one of my top like 10 favorite guests already. And I just met you. <laughs> Thank you. I just, I'm like blown away by your story and your resilience and the way that you, like I said, I struggle from just depression and anxiety myself. And there are times that I feel like I just can't even function. And I think that there's something to be said, and especially for those of you guys listening, there's something to be said that when you're in that moment, it's honestly okay to sit in that moment. You can have a day where you're not functioning and that's okay. And if it turns into two or three days, don't beat yourself up. But just remember, and even in the moment when you're not functioning, just know, be like, yep, okay, so today's a day I'm not functioning, fine. But like tomorrow's a new day. And maybe that's the day that I'll be able to grab a hold of myself, put my big girl panties on and try to help myself. And I think that's also kind of what she's alluding to is, you know, something like this, a disease like this. It's not like a there's no quick cure. You know, it's something that you have to work on each and every day and showing up for yourself and having the support and doing the research and reading better helps you recognize these little triggers and how to cope. And, you know, over time, it starts to become routine. I always say with addiction and after what I was going through being addicted to painkillers, I didn't stop until I wanted to stop. It wasn't anybody that was helping me, supporting me. And, you know, you see people relapse all the time. And when you say enough is enough, and you make the choice to say, you know what, this is something that I'm not going to do today. And whether it helps to not look, you know, it's like, you don't have to say, I'm not going to do this ever again. Just, you know, I'm not going to do it today. Makes it seem a little bit more short term, but that's something that I really connected with what you said. Yeah. And, and I will say in those moments, whether, you know, I, I don't have the addiction experience, but just in the human moment where you feel overwhelmed by your emotions and you feel as if you can't go on and you feel as if it's too great to bear. 
I was reading Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, and it hit me. Every single time I say that, I continue to survive. So the narrative that I'm saying in my head is I can't stand this any longer, but then 10 seconds later, I'm still bearing it. I'm like, wait a minute, that's a lie because I am, I'm alive and I'm, I'm continuously bearing it. And then something else that really helped me is I had this limiting belief that I was not safe in my emotions. And I think we get there to the point where it's so overwhelming that we feel unsafe in our emotions. And so I cultivated this very deep foundational belief that I am safe in my emotions. I know today that any emotion can pump through me and I will survive it. Not only that, but that it's fleeting and it will move on. And many times it doesn't move on because we're depressed about the depression or we're anxious about the anxiety or we're not accepting of it. I remember talking on one podcast, I said, you just have to accept that it's here. Full, unconditional acceptance. And she said, yeah, but you know, if I knew it was going to last 30 minutes or an hour, then it, could, it would be better. And I said, no, that's not accepting. You have to accept that this is going to pump through you for as long as it wants to. And once you accept it, anxiety and our emotions are just like little children who want to be heard, validated, held, and seen. So when you have an intense emotion and you say, hello, anxiety, I see you. I know you're trying to tell me something. I know you're trying to keep me safe. There's no need to worry today. I love you and I'm going to let you do your thing and have your moment. It goes mm. through you so much quicker than if you sit there in resistance and mm. and, uh, and not accepting of your current state. Mm. So yeah, I get to moments where I'm like, oh shit, this is too much and I don't want to feel this right now. And when I say that, I laugh because it's not up to me. It's not up to me how long I feel this. But the minute I break it down and just relax and say, I'm safe. Like I'm safe in this anxiety today. I'm going to be okay. It moves through you with so much more grace. I think we love life conditionally. We love it when shit's going right and we hate it when stuff goes wrong. I remember my dog, which for some reason I always put the disclaimer. I understand it's not like the biggest grief, but she was my baby for, for 10 years. She was with me through a lot of my mental illness and she passed suddenly while I was on vacation. No indication. We had no idea she was sick. And I remember walking outside with my husband in such grief and pain that I just wanted her back. And I stopped and I said, I'm so grateful for this moment right now. Because if I'm feeling this type of grief, that means that I had something that was so incredible, that brought me so much love and joy. And I don't want to wish this moment away. I don't want to go back to being happy and whatever, whatever, whatever. Because I love my life in every phase, every emotion, every cycle, unconditionally, no matter what. And I'm here and present regardless of how uncomfortable it is. So good. So, so good. I feel like your book is going to be so helpful to so many different people. I imagine that, I mean, I know that it's titled Emotional Entrepreneur, but do you talk an awful lot? Like, is it kind of a self-help book in the sense that if someone's struggling with, it doesn't necessarily have to be bipolar, it sounds like anxiety, depression, any sort of mental illness, do you share insights on and tips on how to kind of be your own like self-advocate, yourself warrior, like hold yourself responsible kind of thing? Yeah. So the Emotional Entrepreneur is boil down the emotional guidebook for entrepreneurs. It is not a book for the mentally ill. However, it is inspired by my experiences with my mental illness. So I open the book with my story, which kind of just goes through the chronological experience that I've had with living with bipolar disorder. But the inspiration for it was that I realized that I was so successful at business, running Scouts Agency, running two podcasts, because of my ability to handle my emotions and because of my ability to ride the ups and downs. And I saw so many women 
not even getting in the game because of fear, self-doubt, anxiety, their inability to handle uncertainty, their inability to handle risk, but they wanted to deep down. But what was stopping them was their relationship with their emotions. And entrepreneurship is the most emotional experience you can walk through. It is the biggest personal development, aside probably from marriage, the biggest personal development exercise you can ever do. It'll highlight your weaknesses, it'll highlight your strengths, and it'll put them on display pretty fucking large. And so I recognized that the reason I was able to get through extreme uncertainty, anxiety, all of the stuff starting Scouts Agency was because I had these healing practices and tools already unlocked because of my bipolar disorder. So the book is 25 lessons. They are all mindset and emotional lessons inspired by my mental health healing to help people and specifically geared toward entrepreneurship. But you can substitute that word for following your dreams, finding your purpose, putting yourself out there, whatever that looks like, whether it's becoming the VP of a big company, whatever. But it really is allowing women to step into their dreams and it's the emotional kind of support as they do that. I love it. Yeah. Do you still have some of the journal entries and poems that you had written when you were younger? Yes, I have kept a journal every single year. I kept a diary when I was younger, but I really started a practice of keeping a journal every single year since ninth grade. I put a pause for two or three years as I was healing because it ended up being too dark of a place to kind of express that much. It was a it was a way to dwell. But I do have all of my journals ever since I was 14. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. It would be interesting to just, I don't know, to just read all of your journals. I was reading <laughs> one of them for the year I started Scouts Agency. And if it's not bipolar, I don't know what is. One entry is like, my life is amazing and fulfilling and I'm doing it and da, 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 da. and the next one is I'm so anxious at my business and it's da, 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 da. it's just like this up and down so crazy and it's cool to see. It's cool to reflect back on, on where I'm at today and see the differences. Oh Do you feel goodness. like it helped as a form of therapy for you? To journal? Oh yeah. I journal every single morning, non-negotiable. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. So I wake up, I pour my coffee, I sit down and I journal stream of consciousness, no agenda, no theme for about 15 to 30 minutes every single morning. And like hand and paper, like paper and pen kind of thing? Yeah, I have a, it's over there. I would grab it. Yeah, pen and paper. (laughs) Um, I do the moleskin fat one, the really big one. They came out with an extended one, which is awesome for me. All of mine are black moleskin notebooks. So they all kind of match. One time I deviated and I got the bigger one and the smaller one and that kind of threw my (laughs) consistency off. But yes, journaling is my number one thing I will take with me no matter what. Okay. And then what are some other, just some real fast tips, real fast here? Like I know you said, do you still do the gratitude thing? I think you said while you were first healing, you did uh, self-help books. And then the first, like you started to write down three different things every day that you were thankful for. Do you do that? Yeah. So I have so many tools and and I'm at a point now where I kind of ebb and flow, but I have a few non-negotiables. The first non-negotiable is my sleep. I have to get at least eight hours every single night. I aim for eight and a half to nine. I don't care if there's a party. I don't care if the TV is great. I don't care if TikTok's going off. I'm, I'm going to sleep. My mental health suffers immensely when I don't have sleep. I don't look at my phone for the first hour to two hours every single morning. I actually try to be off my phone as much as possible unless it's for work or I'm just doing like a little bit of Instagram stuff. But the scrolling, all of that... It's not nourishing rest. It just distracts me and numbs me. So that's a practice, putting my phone away often for large periods of time and definitely not looking at it first thing in the morning. Journaling every single morning. I pull cards. I have a bunch of decks that I love that just help me ground or set an intention for the day. 
Every now and then I'll meditate. I did this morning. I'm not a consistent meditator, but I do find it helpful when I do. I try to move my body as much as possible. I am not a worker outer, so I'll do light stuff like a walk or yoga, some Melissa Wood Pilates, 20 minutes, etc. I try to eat as clean as possibly. You know, obviously I go for Chinese food on the weekend, but on an average Tuesday lunch, it's a salad just to make sure that I'm nourishing my body properly. I also have extensive body care for my skincare, all of that good stuff. Practicing gratitude. Prayer is a huge one. I try to pray every single day. I'm probably forgetting a lot. I do. I ground. That's my favorite. I go outside in the middle of the day and I take my shoes off and I walk on the grass without my phone and I look. And I know that sounds weird, but how often do we get outside and just look? That's it. Just look. And I just look at a tree or whatever, the, the butterfly and grounding is my favorite practice. I also go twice a month for cupping, acupuncture, massage, et cetera. That's really helpful. Cupping is my lifeline. What is cupping? Um, yeah. Oh, cupping is, I can show you. I got it done yesterday. <laughs> cupping is when you, you take these glass things and you put fire behind them. Let me what? see if you can see one. Do you see uh, that circle? Yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That looks like it's painful though. Oh, yeah. It it's painful? A little, bit. a little bit. Not. It's just like, ooh, you know, um, good <laughs> kind of pain. And it just pulls it the do? toxins and calms my anxiety so much. Really? So, yeah. Oh, you got to try it. Oh my God. I mean, the first one might be uncomfortable, but go consistently. And I enter meditation zone that's beyond when no. I get cupping. So, oh my God. It's, I swear by it. It's my non-negotiable. I don't care how broke I am, which I don't want to put that into the universe that that's going to happen to me in the future, but it's like a, it's like a utility bill. It's like the Wi-Fi. So yeah, I, I put a lot in practice every single day. Um, just being really mindful about my social engagements, having time to myself. I have a lot of alone time. I know this is a lot, but yeah, it's pretty extensive, but it's what works for me. So just follow up question on that and I'm gonna let you go soon. But someone who like I want to be is like vibrant and energetic and I don't know, just I feel like you're so organized and you figured it out the solution. But like I'm personally at the point where I just feel like debilitated and it's probably it's definitely lack of sleep, which I can't really control because I have children. And so I'm, it's completely out of my control. Also, I'm working 10 million different jobs, which I all, all of them I've said yes to. So there's that. But like, I feel almost debilitated by like all the things like wh- where would you recommend someone who's just on kind of like in the dumps and doesn't know what's the first thing to do? Like, journaling every day sounds like such a like it sounds like a chore to me and like even though I love journaling and I used to do it all the time but now I have kids and all these jobs and speaking as a spectator right there's now, a lot speaking as a spectator yeah. yes so just from you asking that question yeah something that I really took away was routine the one hour the meditating the not looking at the phone the spe- these non-negotiables she's setting a schedule which you don't have yeah but how do i have a schedule when i have kids i know but she's like you have me yeah and but you like, i help. love you to death if you have a schedule and it's a non-negotiable that's something that we work into our day that's something that we make sure of and that i think is the biggest difference because when you get scattered and this happens to me all the time is when you have multiple things that you have to do, it's easier to just not do any of them. And it's easier to say, no, you know, she has a routine that works for her. It's just finding a routine that works for you. Also, I feel like 
a large part of my job is social media. So like I'm a quote unquote influencer, which I never, ever, ever talk about because I hate that title for some reason. Like there's such a stigma. Own the title. Own the title. If if influencing was a male industry, there would be absolutely zero stigma behind a billion dollar industry that women create their own careers over. Right. If, uh, it was a, if influencing girl, was a male industry, you, my you would be proud to say that you're an influencer. Yeah. Like if I was the C- I am the CEO of my influencing career, yes, but yet are. I'm like hiding in almost like in shame because there's such a stigma having a quote unquote app. Like if I find a great product that I love and then I share about it and I get paid to share about it, there's a stigma associated with that. I mean, there's this whole From profile. The but there's this whole profile on Instagram of this of this woman who like just shames women who have created a career. And not only that, but I have five employees. So like it's not like I'm just breaking in the dough. Like I have people that I pay. And like one, for example, has two kids. She's putting food on the table for her family. But yet there's such a stigma associated with the fact that if I find a skincare product or a hair tool or something that I love, and then I reach out to them and I say, I would, you know, I'm happy to share this, but you know, I have standards and whatever, and you're going to pay me. It's like frowned upon. I just don't even get it. But anyways, you're right. I should own it. We got limiting beliefs. We got things that you think are out of your control that aren't. One, you said so many things like, I take on too many jobs. I said yes to that. We have to own where we say yes in our life. Yeah, yeah. My life is fucking chaotic. There's so much going on at work because I said yes to it. So sitting here and saying, why am I stressed? Why am I overwhelmed? Oh, because I said yes to everything. So if we really want to prioritize feeling okay, it's either accepting that we're in a chaotic, busy time in our life or it's reducing what's on the plate. We can cut the fat so significantly. Two, I'm not a mom, so I can't say, but it is something I am very, very concerned about when that happens for me because that's a lot of changing. But like, do you look at your phone first thing in the morning? Yes. Is that in your control? Yes. Okay, so stop looking at the phone first thing in the morning. Try that. Do you have five minutes a day to meditate? I could probably make it if I if I chose to. Minutes. Yeah, of course. Who couldn't, right? Yeah. I think it's really taking a look, writing down everything in your life and really asking yourself, do I have control over this or am I just acting like it's all out of my control? Everything in your life you chose. You chose to have beautiful children. You chose to have five employees. You chose to have an influencing career. You chose to have a podcast. All of those are so beautiful. Now to support all of those choices, look at your phone time. How many hours are you spending in the messaging app or in the Instagram app or in the Facebook app that's not related directly to work? I bet you you could find 30 minutes a day that you can cut the fat there and just spend time doing nourishing rest. I always say when I'm at work, I'm on. I'm intense. I'm focused. It's work time. When I'm resting, I'm not scrolling on Instagram and binging Netflix. Yes, I do that. But I have to incorporate nourishing rest too. Just because you're not working and you're checked out doesn't mean that you're actually rejuvenating your soul. You're just numbing out to certain things. So if you have five minutes to take a walk around the block without your phone, five minutes to meditate, my routine has taken years to build. You don't have like a two-hour morning routine, especially as a mom, and have it all dialed in tomorrow. But I bet you if we promise right here, right now that you're not going to look at your phone for the first hour in the morning and you're going to spend five minutes either meditating or going on a walk, we've won. All right. Well, and you have control over that. That's the, that's the thing that you're telling yourself is that you don't have control over all of these things. I think right. mixed in is, which I've heard you say too, is the fear of not looking at your phone and missing something or having things sort of fall by the wayside because that of has everything. But, you know. And did you survive yeah. it? 
Yeah. Was it okay? Yeah. Is it a ridiculous expectation that everything's going to go right all the time? Even when you're on your phone connected, shit goes wrong. Yeah. How are you 29? I feel like you're the oldest, wisest soul. Like, it's I because just don't... I, It's because this is why bipolar is my biggest blessing. I do this because if I don't... You're all over the place. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I'm over being done. Yeah. I'm over being a victim. I'm over feeling like life's out of my control. I'm over a psychiatrist and a therapist telling me I need to be monitored. I'm over them telling me that I can't even get pregnant because they're worried about me being off medication and carrying my own child. I am off medication and I will carry my own child. I'm so proud of you. Like you are such a badass babe and you're 29. Like it's true. As you get older, you get wiser and stronger. And I feel like you are a powerhouse. Like you have a huge life ahead of you. I also want to reflect that back to you. You have a team. You're doing a podcast with your husband, which I would probably kill both of us. (laughs) If I did that, you have kids. Thank you. Sometimes we forget how much we do too. It's easy to look at other people and think that, but I mean, you're asking yourself all the right questions you're doing all the right things. You're showing up for your life. You have depression, anxiety, and yet you have a business and kids and do both. That's insane. Oh my yeah. gosh, Scout. You're so sweet. I really wish like you were my neighbor. You are <laughs> quickly becoming my favorite yes. person to interview just because you struggle with so many things yourself. And but also you're you're not a victim and you're not like letting someone some diagnosis even though it's very real and it's very disruptive but you're not letting it control your life you're accepting it and you know that it's like chaotic and messy and all the things but and, and thank you for sharing oh my your god story, you're going to you know, help and, so many people i mean starting with mm-hmm. me right here like congratulations with your book launch where can people find it because it is out now. Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Just search The Emotional Entrepreneur or my name, Scout Sobel, and I'll give you guys the link to put in the show notes too. Amazon's the best place to find it. Awesome. I love shopping Amazon. And then the other yes. thing is I can assure you that there is more than a handful of listeners who probably have like in some way, shape or another, you know, felt like that your story resonates with them or that you have some sort of insight to offer them. And you threw it out there that you answer your DMs. So I'm holding you accountable to that. No, not not entirely, though. I mean, sometimes it's tough. But if one of my girlfriends listening right now wants to be able to just chat with you or even just follow you silently and stalk you, that's okay. <laughs> uh, where can they go to find you? Instagram is the best place at Scout Sobel. I have in my bio all the links to everything I do. I co-host OKSIS with my sister, which is a lot sillier. It's all about female entrepreneurship. But if you're looking for more of uh, content like this, I have Scout Podcast where I ramble solo about the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship. But yes, I do answer all of my DMs. Book launch week, maybe. So maybe you should send me a follow-up one in in the (laughs) week after. But I really, really do love talking to people about this because I think that there is, as we talked about, you know, safe spaces, support groups, et cetera. Sometimes we feel like we can't go to the people closest to us. And sometimes a stranger that you heard on a podcast is your next best bet. And so Mm -hmm. I am fully available to be that. You're so great. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your story. You You are a phenomenal human being. And I hope that you know that like in the very depths of your soul. And also your husband's pretty cool too. I'd love to meet him someday. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. And again, in the show notes, we'll have your website, a link to your book and 
anywhere that people can find you seems like Scout is open to a conversation. So yeah, thank you, Scout, so much for being here. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for having me, guys. This was awesome. Yeah. Take care. You know, when Jamie and I got off that call and that interview with Scout, I mean, what a powerful, powerful conversation. And you know, it's one thing to have therapists on. It's another thing to have somebody just relaying information or having a family member that has some sort of mental health disorder. It's another thing coming from the horse's mouth. And Scout is certainly someone that took her situation, turned it into a positive, and is genuinely looking to spread the message and help people. And I think what's really important through her story is that, you know, she found purpose for her life and she found something that she can be passionate about, something to redirect her brain and to redirect her thoughts and emotions and really just taking control of her life. And, you know, hopefully you guys took some bit of information from there. Hopefully it helped out some of you. But next week we have a familiar guest, well, I guess to us, but a familiar face, which is going to be Rachel D'Alto, who was a former married at first sight sexologist or sex therapist. She's currently one of the head matchmakers on Match.com and is coming out with a book. And we're so excited to speak with Rachel. We had a chance to actually hang out with her on a personal level. She is amazing. She has so much information. She is well thought and well read and just has a lot of great information about about life and marriage and relationships and advice and so excited to speak to Rachel. So again, stay tuned for that next week. Thank you for staying with us and hanging with us and we'll see you on next week's episode. I uh, love you and goodbye.